0: Earning is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 314 with Karen Rockind. Show notes for this episode, including all links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes for our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 314. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms This episode is brought to you by Beta Brand. Get 20% off the most comfy dress pant yoga pants ever at betabrand.com/slash shameless. That's B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D.com slash shameless. Okay, mamas. I'm so excited to introduce you to our guest today, Karen. But before we do that, I have to tell you in case you haven't heard, in case you've been living under a rock, that tickets for Shameless MomCon 2019 are on sale. And Shameless MomCon is a world-class conference for moms, which will be happening in Seattle, Washington on April 26th and 27th. And it's going to be so much magic, power, and momentum. Your mind will be blown. It's going to be a game changer. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about what inspired this event. About 10 years ago, I went to a conference for the first time, I was going through a really rough patch and I decided to go to attend this event. I'd never traveled alone, I was pretty uncomfortable. I mean, and when I say uncomfortable, I was kind of terrified, but I knew that I needed to attend this just to get out of my head, get out of my comfort zone, and maybe get a new perspective and maybe make some new connections. And this event changed my life. And I spent the entire three days that I was there with like goosebumps and tears in my eyes, just knowing that things were shifting. And I made amazing friends and connections that I'm still close with today. I found new mentors who impacted my life in the most powerful and positive ways. And it was just a game changer. That whole event was such a game changer for me. And I can look back now and see how that event and how attending that conference by myself and doing my own thing and just really being independent in that decision in attending that event was such a pivotal moment in my life. And it allowed a lot of other things to start changing as a result of that one decision. So I thought, I need to provide that. I need to create a place for moms to come and join together and find their power and create magic for themselves and really see what is possible when you are in a room with other women who all want to connect, who all want to learn together, who all want to grow, who want to be inspired, who want to inspire each other. And so was born Shameless MomCon. And so this will be happening in Seattle on April 26th and 27th. And I want you to be there. Tickets went on sale just a few days ago, and we're already about 65% sold out. So do not delay. Definitely get your ticket right now. We have early bird pricing right now, so you're going to get a great deal. What I want you to do is go check out the video invitation that I made for you over at shamelessmom.com forward slash momcon 2019. That's shamelessmom.com forward slash mom 2019. I cannot wait to meet you, to squeeze you, to cheers you in Seattle on April 26th. And now let's dive in with our guest today. Karen Rockind is a leading happiness expert, motivational speaker, and the creator of Purpose Girl, a movement to empower purpose-driven living. She has taught thousands of people real-life strategies to reclaim their happiness and live to their fullest potential of success and well-being. Having survived domestic abuse, divorce, and armed robbery, she teaches others to be resilient through stress and grow from trauma. After 15 years as a marketing executive, Karen pursued her great passion, teaching women to thrive. Karen was one of the first 250 people in the world to earn a master's degree in applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania, where she has also served as an adjunct faculty. Karen speaks at large companies worldwide and is a regular contributor to national media outlets such as NBC, CBS, PBS, and NPR. And she most proudly recently launched Women's Global Happiness Day in over 50 cities around the globe. I met Karen at an event last summer, I think it was, And we quickly hit it off in a very crowded, loud bar. And I learned just a little bit about her and immediately said, I want you to come on my podcast. And so we were able to finally work out the logistics after some back and forth and rescheduling and just getting through all of life's, you know, logistics. And so I'm so excited to have her here today because I have been really wanting to dig into her story. And I knew that her story was going to be really, really impactful to all of you. So I'm so grateful that Karen is here to talk about some of her life experiences and And the value that they have provided in terms of letting her find her power, find her strength, and really build a platform based on her truest gifts. So listen in to hear Karen share how being held at gunpoint changed the trajectory of her life. Why women are less happy today than 30 years ago. How we ignore living in our own bodies because we're conditioned to try to live in men's bodies. Why happiness sometimes actually sucks how her second miscarriage at age 43 sent her into a deep depression and then inspired her to launch Women's Global Happiness Day, and the power, the beauty, and the opportunity of post-traumatic growth. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. I know it's going to touch you. So let's dive in with Karen Rockind. Karen Rockind, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here. This is gonna be fun. This was a little while in the making, which, often my favorite interviews because I feel like there's like a lot of buildup. So it's going to be like
1: anticipation. (laughs) Totally.
0: (laughs) Totally. So to fill listeners in, we met at a conference last summer. It was like so long ago now I can barely remember, but it was at Podcast Movement, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And we met in a bar or like a (laughs) bar area of a restaurant that was super crowded and loud and totally hit it off. (laughs) And and it was so, so fun getting to know you and getting to know your husband that evening. And we had a quick but powerful connection. And right away, I was like, you got to come on the show and talk about your story. So I'm so happy that you're here.
1: Mm, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much, Sarah. I know. And then we were going to do this a couple months ago. So this is perfect. I know.
0: I know. Sometimes that happens where, and the good thing is sometimes it happens where things have to be rebooked multiple times. But I always appreciate when both parties are like, we're both still really into this, even though (laughs) the universe is making it hard. We're both still totally into this and we will make it happen. Exactly. Yes. So tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life right now beyond your bio and what you're most excited
1: about. Yeah, so I am really excited right now about the science of women's happiness. So, you know, one of the only people in the world with a master's degree in the science of happiness, which is called positive psychology. And I started my whole career with purpose, right? My podcast is called the Purpose Girl podcast, and everything was around women discovering their purpose. And what kept coming up time and time and time again, was women just feeling like they weren't living their happiest life. Mm -hmm. And really, that's where my work ended up going. And there is, you know, it's pretty well known that women are twice as likely to be depressed as men. And it's less known that women are less happy than women were 30 years ago. And yeah, something's broken, right? So that's a study that came out of the University of Pennsylvania. And so it's broken. And We're freaking amazing. We deserve so much better. I mean, we are still the major caretakers of the home and of kids and we're graduating in higher numbers from universities. And so I've just been like obsessed lately with teaching every woman alive tools to live her happiest, truest, most authentic self.
0: I love that. So why do you think women are less happy now than they were 30 years ago?
1: Oh, there's a number of reasons for it. So, you know, one is that it's still not equal, right? So we have learned to be kind of more masculine and get along in the masculine world. And men have made huge strides. But for people in a heterosexual relationship, if you have kids, it's showing that, and even with housework, that women still do the majority, right? Right. Women, just the way our brains are wired, our brains, we have something called, there's gray matter and white matter, and gray matter is more kind of focused, and white matter is more, like, connective and communicative, and that's, women have more white matter, and so we tend to care more, like, it's part of our nurturing, we care more about making sure everybody's okay and everybody's got it going on. And you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. everyone's pleased. And so we're spending a lot more time doing something called ruminating, like really thinking about what's wrong, what did go wrong, what could go wrong, taking care of everyone else. And I think we haven't yet learned to really be in our own unapologetic, like you say, I love, shameless self. Mm-hmm. And We deserve to, right? I mean, we call ourselves selfish if we want some space to ourselves. We want to go on a retreat. You know, I take women on retreats all over the world, and we've got to stop that. And then another piece is I think we've been out of our bodies and really getting back into our bodies. Oh, this
0: is so interesting. So I totally agree with you on the rumination. And I, for a long time, thought that like rumination was just something that was part of my nature, <laughs> and right. the more women I talk to, the more I'm like, oh, wait, we all do this. Right. So that's right. really and interesting. Go
1: the ahead. science is actually really clear. Mm-hmm. Women ruminate more than men. And it's one of the stated reasons why women suffer from depression yeah. or just feeling lost or stuck. And my best friend and I call it beating a dead horse. And we thought we were the only ones, too, that we right. like to once we've talked about it and then we're going to talk about it again. Then we're going right. to come home from right. coffee and, you know, right. so but we all we all do it and it's not working. Right, right. Another point that you made
0: about us not living in our own bodies is that, and I'd be curious about your input and perspective on this, I would guess that a huge reason we aren't living in our own bodies or we struggle to do this is because we've been trying to adapt to a world run by men. And so we aren't taking cues from our own bodies. We're taking cues from men on how to be more like men and how to develop more masculine energy because that's how you get further in life. And that's how at least societally here in the US, and I guess world globally, that's how you get ahead. And so we ignore and I'm someone who like is totally ignores my I don't say I ignore my intuition. I say that I struggle to sense my own intuition. Mm. So I'm not even actively ignoring it. I don't (laughs) Always even know what my intuition is. When people are like, well, what does your gut tell you? I'm like, I don't know. Uh I think of what societal norms tell me that I should go after this certain thing. And so that's what I'm going to do because it's in my nature to do like what I've been programmed culturally to do. So I wonder if that's why we are not living in our bodies is because we have been trying to program ourselves to live as men, (laughs) essentially.
1: You nailed it. I mean, you nailed it. I'm working on writing my book right now. And I was just working this week on the chapter about. How much we hate our bodies, right? Mm -hmm. So, first of all, I mean, depending on which research study you look Mm -hmm. at, between 80 and 90% of women in America dislike some aspect of their bodies. 90% of women in Australia, the UK, I mean, the lowest is Japan with 40%. And that still is way too high, right? So, you know, dieting begins when we're 10, we're 13. You know, women are like at war with their bodies. One of my mentors, Regina Tomashauer, that's how she says it. We're at war with our bodies. And we're at war because, yes, we've grown up in a world that is run by men. We have amazing opportunities as women, but we're kind of damned if we do and damned if we don't right? We are, if you like sex, you're a slut. If you don't, you're a prude. You know, there's so much that's out there about our bodies. The majority of advertisements are to tell us what's wrong with our bodies. And then you add in that the only way that we've ever known how to get along in the world is the more masculine side. And everyone has feminine and masculine energy in them. Mm -hmm. And the masculine is the place of the doing, doing, doing. And I think you and I are a lot alike, and probably most women listening to this, like, we know how to get an A, right? Yes. We like we learned that. We know <laughs> totally. How to a- like, just give me the formula and I'll just do it. <laughs> and I'll do it. Whenever you tell me, I'll do it. But the feminine is the place of being. Like you said, intuition. It's the place of feeling. It's the place of sensing. Women have higher sense of taste, touch, smell. A woman can hear her. You probably know this as a mom, a woman can hear in a room of crying babies, which one is hers. Totally. So we have like these beautiful gifts as women and we've really never known how to use them. Mm-hmm. And I also want to add that, and they haven't really been encouraged. We're, that's why I say we're out of our bodies. And I also want to add that I think a reason where I know from the research why women are experiencing less happiness that there's such pressure on us to be perfect in every area of life, right? Like, we've got to be rocking it out as a CEO of a business. We've got to be, you know, making a gourmet, healthy, organic, perfect lunch for our kids. We've got to, you know, have 14 balls in the air, be president of the PTA, everything. There's that A++, right? Mm -hmm. And be doing it all with perfectly manicured fingernails. And it's not... And
0: and sharing all of it on, like, not only do we have to do all that and show up, like, in daily life in... Present places like that, but then also we need to share that with everyone else on on public forum, right, on social media so that everyone sees the perfection from far and wide.
1: Exactly. And it's not working. And so we're so afraid to say, hey, I don't feel that way. And if we really looked at it, I mean, I work with women all day long. If we only knew that every woman was feeling this way. And that's why I've become my work really started in empowering women to live their purpose. And I would love it. You know, we still can talk about that. But that's why I've become kind of so obsessed about women in happiness. And by the way, the word happiness kind of sucks, too. I mean, (laughs) let's talk about that. (laughs) So controversial, right? Because people think it's you know, oh, happy dappy. And as women, many of us girls were told like sugar and spice and everything Mm. nice. And just, I remember one day as a young woman, I was walking down the streets of Miami. I was on vacation with my parents. I think I was like 18 and I was in whatever kind of mood I was in. And this whole group of construction workers, all men, you know, were like, smile, you're prettier when you smile, you know? And so I think something that's happened here is is that we have thought of happiness as just putting on a happy face or smiling. And for a woman to be happy actually means for her to be whole. And to be whole is embracing all of ourselves, including the darkness, including the anger. We deserve it. And I will go up to my office, I will have a two minute temper tantrum and scream my head off. And then I'm like, okay, I'm good now. And we need to have permission to be our whole selves.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, one of the things I talk a lot about is like having tools to create happiness or create joy and like little joy hits that you can like create for yourself in just a few minutes a day. But that's creating a feeling and a sense of self that feels really genuine and authentic and genuinely feels very good versus looking happy, appearing happy, putting on a happy face like all of that. And I think there's a lot of confusion between those two things. And they're so not interchangeable. But I think that sometimes we think like just grin and bear it rather than like actually solving a problem or creating a
1: solution. yeah exactly. and being right? So, yeah. and women are just so amazing. Like I don't have to tell you this or anyone listening, but every woman I know has been through so much, and you know, one of the reasons that it's stated why women are more depressed than men, you can tell I'm working. I'm like heavy in my book right now. I've got all these statistics. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it when someone <laughs> when someone shows up with the research so go yeah. for it you know, is that we do suffer abuse more than men. Mm-hmm. I was at a women's event recently. there were two thousand women, and The leader of the event said, she asked, if at any time in your life you have been abused physically, sexually, emotionally, mentally, please stand. The whole room was quiet and I was like shaking and I was in the front row and I stood up, of course, thinking I'm going to be one of the only people standing. And I turned around and Sarah, the entire room was standing. I mean, maybe 50 women were sitting and a friend of mine that I went with, she sat and she said, you know, the reason I've never been abused is from the time I was a little girl, I was so afraid of it that I made sure that I was a heavy girl and now I'm Mm. a heavy woman. She's like, I know that this is a protective layer.
0: Yeah. She keeps her armor.
1: Keeps her armor up. So, there's a lot, but women are amazing. We've overcome so much. A big thing that I love doing is like, how do we use our pain for purpose? How do we turn Mm -hmm. the darkest moments of our lives into what makes us so powerful and our message and what we're here to do in the world and the ways that we are here to make impact and to rock it out? So, women are just amazing. So, I want you to tell me, and this is actually part
0: of how we met and I can't remember how this came out but it came out really quickly within a couple minutes you shared with me that you had your life threatened and everything changed and I remember as soon as you told me, again, we're in this like loud bar. And I remember you told me and I was like, so I have a podcast. Can you come on my podcast? We'll talk about that. And literally (laughs) like, we didn't have any more time to talk about it. So since this summer, since last summer, I've been like, I need to hear the story. And I can tell that like this is part of everything that you do in your work now and part of your purpose, I am guessing, comes from this story. So can you tell us, I know this was like this rock bottom event that changed the course of your life and the trajectory of your career. Can you share that with us please
1: yeah sure thank you for asking so first of all I want to say I was that little girl that played with Barbies and all I wanted was to get married Mm -hmm. like that was it like I want to get married and he should be like tall dark handsome and that's all I wanted and so when I went to college I went to look for my husband and I found him (laughs) and so I married six foot two dark hair green eyes chiseled cheeks studying to be a lawyer like I married perfection when i was 22 and we moved into a 2500 square foot house colonial with a y- enormous backyard we had season football tickets to our to university of michigan football we had a golden retriever a purebred like we had the life and everything looked sarah exactly like i thought like i wanted and i was so unhappy i was so unhappy and i would cry all the time and my husband got sick of it. He's like, "What's wrong with you? We're happy." And I really thought something was wrong with me, right? And we ended up getting divorced and I was only 26. And this isn't a story about divorce we can go have cocktails over that or do a <laughs> different episode. But I ended up getting divorced at 26 and went on my own journey to say, "Well, if that didn't make me happy, what would?" Like I did everything I was supposed The Cosmopolitan magazine said I was supposed to do, right? right. So Pretty early on, I started volunteering with high school girls. And I don't know what high school was like for you, but I remember so badly wanting to be popular. Mm -hmm. I remember so badly wanting the boys to like me. I remember feeling so not pretty enough or smart enough or thin enough or anything enough. And yet I also remember like being excited for the future, feeling so hopeful. I constantly ran for student government, whether I got it or not. Like, so it was this kind of both feelings happening at the same time. And So I started volunteering with these high school girls, and they were just like me. And I thought, wait, this is like 20 years later. Why are they still feeling so bad about themselves, right? And several of the girls had eating disorders. One of the girls was cutting, right, self-harming. And these were high school girls, And all I could see, it's like they would feel so ugly or fat or weird or different. And all I could see was how gorgeous and amazing and beautiful they were. And I found this love of just being able to see each one of these girls for who she actually was, right? Like, oh, my God, Sarah, you're so creative. Everybody comes to you to make the posters, you know, whatever it was. I just got so – and I fell in love. I was like – I want to do this for my life. What is this? Right. And this though is like 15 years ago. I had never heard of coaching. The only motivational speaker I knew was Tony Robbins. And that seemed like way too, you know, big to start off with. And people would say, you want to be Oprah? I'm like, yes, that is a hundred percent true. I do want to be Oprah. (laughs) But that was like so big. I couldn't figure out the path. Yeah, I wrote a book. I got rejected. Like I just, all of it was just overwhelming And so I went back to doing what I knew, which was go look for another lawyer, husband with another BMW. And I'll tell you, I almost married another guy. I had a ring on my finger and I was sick and I ended up breaking up with him. And when I did, I was in my early 30s at this point. And my dad said to me, you know, you can't do this anymore. Your eggs are dying. And oh, uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I ended up severely depressed. I broke up with him and I wasn't living my purpose because I couldn't figure out what was the path. Yeah. And so I ended up severely depressed going to my psychiatrist every month from begging for more medication till after a year, I said to her, give me lithium. I must be bipolar. And she said to me, you're not, not that there's anything wrong with being diagnosed bipolar disorder. I just was so desperate. And then one day I went on a blind date and it was awful. And I was walking home from the blind date. I lived maybe a block from the bar And at this point, I'm living in Cleveland, Ohio, and the day was so bad, I called my sister who was living in California, and I'm cracking up with her. I'm like, oh my God, he tried to sell me on his doggy business, and he was so short, and like all these things that, which are hilarious because now my husband is shorter than me, but whatever, (laughs) Um, my, my now husband, right? So anyway, but I had all this like, you know, she and I are cracking up like in tears, and I go to put my key in the condominium door, and I suddenly feel hot breath on my neck, And I turn around and I am like nose to nose with this very sad looking young man, not my date, some other young, young man. And he's looking at me. He's these huge black eyes. And I say to him, are you going inside? Like I'm thinking maybe he has an aunt or a friend who lives in the building. And he looks at me for one extra second. And then he looks down at my stomach and pulls a gun. I scream, I fall to the floor. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. I'm screaming, please don't hurt me. I look up, now the gun is pointed at my left temple and I'm literally like, okay, please don't hurt me, please. And I'm thinking, this is my last moment on earth. Mm -hmm. And so I say, okay, God, it's been a good life. Tell my parents, thank you. And then Sarah, some other voice came over me. First of all, it was a feminine, it was a woman. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh no, you were put on this earth for purpose. And women need you. And I said, okay, if I live, I promise I will pursue that purpose, no matter what. Exactly at that moment, the man took my purse and he ran. Wow. So I survived that day. I survived that day. And it's kind of, you know, it sounds like a joke or a cliche to say, if there was a gun pointed at your head, what would you regret never having done? But it's not hypothetical for me, it happened to me. And that's why I can confidently say to every woman, every one alive, do not wait, do not wait. When there is a dream in your heart, when there's been something that has been saying to you, like, ooh, I would love to make jewelry, or ooh, I would love to go for that promotion, or ooh, I would love to start a daycare, or whatever it might be, or i got a book I wanna write, or whatever it is, do not wait, because we really do not know. And I don't want there to be a gun to your head in order for that to happen. And so when I survived, I just made myself that promise. I'm going for it. And I still had no idea how, right? Like, how do I, I don't even know what kind of career this is. I just know I am, was put on this earth to empower women. I'll make it happen. And so I wrote down kind of some different ways that I could think of it happening, like becoming a therapist or different ideas. And I said, I'm going to go back to grad school because I wanted some sort of foundation in what I was doing. And I. Lo and behold, like maybe a week later, a friend from high school who I hadn't talked to in about 20 years posted on my Facebook page, you're always so positive. Have you seen this? And it was a link to positive psychology, the scientific study of human flourishing and this new field that had been started at the University of Pennsylvania and how there is now a graduate program in it. And I was crying. I mean, tears down my face. Oh, my God, this is what I've looked for my whole life and I applied and by the grace of God I got in and that's when at the time I was a vice president of marketing at a firm in Cleveland making healthy six figures and I owned a boat and I owned my own condominium and I gave it all up and went back to grad school at 36 wow amazing and <laughs> so that's a lot but that's <clears throat> that's how I got here yeah yeah
0: that's such a powerful story and I think that we all have those moments that I think change everything. And some of us, I think, have really glaring moments and moments of trauma where it's so clear. And I think other people think that they don't have those moments because maybe they weren't so clear or because they didn't feel so big in the moment. And so there's this instinctual piece of me that wants to say, like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. But also... I'm not,
1: because... Mm -hmm. Amen, I'm not. Right, that's the
0: thing. Like, that's the thing that needed to happen for you to get to this amazing place. And I think that it's so important for us to recognize those moments, those obstacles, those things that happen and really embrace them for the life-giving opportunities that they are. And whether that's someone holding a gun to your head, whether that's surviving an awful marriage, whether that's, you know, maybe being raised in an abusive household, it can look like so many different things. But I think that embracing whatever part of your story that can help you move in the direction that you want to move and inspire you to take action in a way that will help you, you know, best use your gifts is so important and so powerful. And I want to encourage anyone who hasn't taken the time to think about what have those moments been for you to really give some thought to that. Because I'm not someone who comes from a background of horrific trauma, but I can identify here are the pinpoints in the map where there was a shift and there was a change. And that shift in that moment or that event changed the course of my life and impacted all the events that followed.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, so well said. And we have all had those moments. Like you said, they don't have to be a gunpoint. But I really believe we've all had these turning point moments yeah, or epiphany moments. And to look back and say, what have been the moments in my life? I call them peak experiences where I have felt most alive, most juiced, most right, elevated, most serene, peace. And where's the opportunity right now? Because this could be a pivotal moment. It could be listening to this podcast. That could be your story. I was driving the kids to school or I was on my way to work and I heard this podcast where a woman talked about being robbed at gunpoint. And I said, that's not going to be me. Right. So we all can have that. And, you know, I call it pain to purpose. So, you know, most people have heard of post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. Mm -hmm. So you go through trauma and and i think of trauma it could have simply been being in a household where you were ignored right to me that is trauma that's yeah. traumatic right so we're very well versed on post traumatic stress disorder and people are not as versed on something called post traumatic growth
0: Ooh. and post tra-
1: mm-hmm. i've never heard so- of this i'm excited <laughs> to learn <laughs> yeah so post traumatic growth is what happens when someone goes through a trauma a challenge and they come out better it's not that you return to baseline Right. That's resilience. Post traumatic growth is based on whatever happened in that experience. It made you have a deeper appreciation for life. It gave you a sense of purpose. You have a new direction. You have strengthened relationships. And we see post traumatic growth all over the place. It's how there's now Mothers Against Drunk Driving or the new gun law the kids who are really working to have gun law reform and right, because at their school, you know, in Florida, the gunmen came into their school. So we see it all the time where people have a sense of some sort of challenge happen to them. And then they don't just bounce back, they grow.
0: Totally.
1: And this is a huge opportunity for us because like I said, every woman has been through so much. And when I think about purpose, I think about purpose as like, so there's your strengths, who you are, who you naturally are in the world. And like some people are naturally creative. Some people are natural leaders. Some people are, you know, naturally kind. And then there's your talents, which is what you do. Like, what are you really good at? And then there's your passions, what you love, right? Like what juices you up. Then there is your wisdom. And wisdom is something that everyone has, but I think women have it even more. And wisdom is what your life experiences have taught you, have given you, have shown you. And that is purpose with a big P. And even if it just means you're going to look at your life and what have you learned that you would now teach differently to your kids or to your friends or to a 15-year-old that came to you with an issue, you don't have to go be Oprah big, right? Right. But that is purpose. And I think each of us has that opportunity. Yeah, definitely. So we have a private Facebook group for the
0: podcast listeners, and people show up in this group. And I joke kind of that I held off on creating this group for a long time, cause I was like, I don't know, do people really want this? And then I opened it and it's like, holy cow, people really wanted it and needed it, and they use it in so many different ways. And people show mm. up and just share like big, huge, sometimes devastating things that are going on in their lives. And so I want to point out that some people are in the middle of this right now and they're in the middle of this like sticky spot. I'm thinking of someone who posted today who had this kind of realization about her marriage and I think when you're in those really hard spots, sometimes they last a while and sometimes and the rumination is strong like oh yeah maybe. <laughs> so you are Good just time. like circling in your head like Why is this happening to me? How am I going to get out of it? Like I've ruined everything or someone else has ruined everything or whatever. Like, and we just can't see outside of the situation. And sometimes we're there for a while. And so I want to just mention for anyone who's listening, who's feeling like I'm in the middle of it right now, I'm in the middle of that really hard thing. And I'm like in the middle of that event that will shift the trajectory is looking forward to that opportunity for post-traumatic growth. Because I know that when I talk with friends as they go through really hard things, I will say, things like I'm excited for you because I know on the other side of this, there's something so much better and you can't, See that or feel that quite yet because you're still in the hard point. But as someone, as an outsider, I can see the potential of you getting out of this situation and changing things and having a life that is a million times better, whether that's a personal decision or a professional decision, but just making a change that will impact your life so positively in other ways. And when you're in the middle of that hard, big, scary thing, that's really hard to see. So I appreciate you pointing out post traumatic growth because. I try to really anticipate that now when I'm doing something that feels hard and sticky. And I'll even Mm. think like, okay, like the next week is gonna be really big and hard or the next month or the next quarter, but also how's it gonna feel on the other side of it? Like, that's gonna feel so good. (laughs) Even though I don't totally know what the outcome is gonna be, like it's just gonna feel good to be on the other side. To be on the
1: other side, yeah. And I love that as a strategy, right? It's like mm -hmm. anticipating. It's like, so savoring is something we know from the science. When you Mm -hmm. savor what's good It is so good for your brain. It's so good for your body. And so that's like anticipatorily savoring. Like, I know that there's going to be something good. You know, I also want to add for anyone who is going, you're in that sticky spot right now, like your job stinks, or you have had a realization about your marriage, or your kid is like a challenge at school. I mean, this stuff is hard. Okay. This is another reason why women are less happy, you know, more depressed than men. We take more of that on and it's hard. And I don't think we're very good at self-compassion. Right. We've heard like just muster through. You can do it. You know, right. and like this is a time for you to be super kind and gentle with yourself. Yeah. And I think saying I know that I can get through this. I've got this. There's nothing wrong with me. This is normal. Anyone who was going through this would be having a tough time. You know, the research shows that so women with rumination, we beat ourselves up more than men do. And the research shows that we beat ourselves up because we think that it is helpful. We think it's going to make us better next time or do it differently next time. And the research shows that it actually does the opposite. That kindness, the kinder you can be to yourself when you're going through a challenge, the more you can treat yourself like you would a best friend or a niece or a nephew, you know, a little one, then actually you move more to the other side and then you move into encouragement. Like, I know I can get through this. I got this. I can do it. You're actually more likely to come out the other side with that growth and with feeling powerful.
0: Oh my gosh, I totally agree. And I can say that, like, I really embrace that perspective when things are hard for me now and when things feel big and challenging and overwhelming. When things go wrong, or, you know, what might be perceived as others by failure, I really am able to pretty quickly I won't say it's easy but I can pretty quickly get to a place of like you've done harder things you've overcome harder Mm. things you have proven over and over again that you are resilient and resourceful and that you can do more than the average person and like I can give myself a pep talk like yes I'm like like, yes 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 right and like you but and I and that that comes from practicing doing that and seeing the benefit of doing that on a regular basis. Because now I feel like, oh, if I want to go write a book, I can go write a book. If I need to get on a big stage, I can get on a big stage. And so whenever I have the opportunity to do those things, like I'm ready to do them. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And I can totally see where if you are spending that time in rumination, beating yourself up or making yourself seem smaller that then the next time you're faced with something, all you remember is, oh, wait, but remember, I'm small. Here's all the times I've been small. Here's all the times things didn't go my way. All the times I failed. I fail all the time. I don't know how to play big. I don't know how to take risks. I don't know how to go after it. So you have to like choose what's the thing you're going to reinforce because you have, everyone has places and times when they've been strong and resilient and resourceful. You got to pick what's your go-to default going to be.
1: Absolutely. Sarah, this is so brilliant. You know, We actually know from the research that happiness is a choice. Mm, So about that. Yeah. Twins who were separated at birth by no choice of their own. Right. And then later on as adults found each other, there was a study in Minnesota. And what they found is that twins who are separated at birth, the difference in happiness between individuals is part genetic. Right. And your genetics will give you what they call like a set point that you could be at the top of your range or the bottom of your range. A very small piece, less than 10 percent, a very small piece is your life circumstances, right? The color of your skin, the fact that we're women, your sexual preference, if you were abused, your life circumstances. And then at least 40%, at least, because there's other research studies that are debunked. We've said in my industry, we've said 40% for a long time and newer studies are debunking that and saying it's way more. At least 40% of your happiness is totally in your control. And by totally in your control, what that means is, what do you think about, right? So are you focused on the moments when you weren't at your best, when you yelled at your kids, you lost your temper, when you didn't get the job, when everything fell apart. And believe me, I'm like a recovering ruminator over here, okay? I'm a recovering (laughs) ruminator, recovering perfectionist, like all the things that make women unhappy, I'm like recovering from it. But we do get to choose. And the more you practice, the easier it becomes. Or are you focusing on, like you said, when you have been courageous, when you have been resilient, when you have grown from trauma, what you know are your strengths, like knowing what is awesome and beautiful and potential for you, knowing that you're here for purpose, like all of the things, right? So it's what you think about, also what you do, right? We are totally in control of our actions. So we can't control difficult things happening to us. Like, you know, five weeks before I ended up going to graduate school, I was with a dear friend. I told you I owned a boat. In Cleveland, and I was with him, and I took him out on the boat, and he ended up drowning that day.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: He dove off and he never came back. And we now know he had been partying the night before, and his body was chock full of cocaine. And I've never even done a drug, so I don't know. I didn't even know he did that. But anyway, it was so my boss's wife at the time said to me, Oh, you poor girl, so much happens to you. Oh. And I said to her, I just don't see my life that way. Yeah. I just see that each one of these experiences has like it was hell on wheels going through it it was the worst but it's like each one of these has happened for me and I feel like is going to give me some sort of wisdom so we are in control not of everything that happens to us but we are in control of what we do with it and that's why the research shows you know we're in control of it doesn't have to be some sort of big like I said Oprah big thing but like When you wake up, what do you say to yourself? When you look in the mirror, what do you say to yourself? Are you moving your body today? How are you eating? Who are you choosing to spend your time with? Like how many of us have in our lives people who absolutely drain us and like suck the life out of us? Right. Instead, are we choosing to spend our time with people who make us feel amazing and are cheerleaders and brighten us? And so really being clear kind of on your individual actions.
0: Right, right. So I know you recently held the inaugural Women's Global Happiness, I was going to say health happiness, which it could be. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's it's the same. The Mm -hmm. Women's Global Happiness Day. Tell us about this event and why you created it, what it's all about, and also what's to come with this event.
1: Yeah, thank you for asking. I'm so excited and proud of it. So uh, gosh, I'm just giving you all of my traumas today, but um, (laughs) that's kind of the story of my life and it's Okay. So doing this work, obviously for so long, for seven years now, and wanting everything I do to really help women just be the kick-ass amazing women that we are, I had wanted to do something and I wasn't sure what it would look like. And then a year ago, I had my second miscarriage Mm. and I was 43. And so I really thought, Sarah, that that's it. Like there's no more chance for me to have my own baby. Mm. And I became very depressed. You know, and here I am, I speak on stages all over the world and, you know, teach this for a living. And I said to my husband, I don't want to be alive anymore because mm-hmm. I thought that that was over for me. And so I needed to really use all my own tools, right? Just Every so tool. Hard.
0: I can. so hard. So <laughs> hard. Like, like, it's so easy to be like, just do this. And then you have head to do it on yourself. You're like, oh. you're kind of like, screw me in all my directions <laughs> and all my <laughs> programs and talks. <laughs> like.
1: It's right, right, so right hard. exactly. My husband will sometimes say to me, like, you know, a wise woman once said, and then he'll quote <laughs> totally. me, and I'm like, oh, screw you, you know, right, like, right. whatever. So but it is so hard. And the number one tool that I actually have, and I love when you're talking about your group is sisterhood. Yeah. Like that is where it's at. And true, honest, vulnerable, real sisterhood, where you can share what is honestly going on with you. You can be vulnerable. You can be raw. You can be a mess and your sisters will hold you and then they will uplift you and then they will cheerlead you and then they will say, and I know you've got this. Anyway, so I leaned into sisterhood big time. I leaned and I did all my tools and I was meditating a lot and praying. And I said, you know, just show me, show me what else I'm here to birth. And I had this vision, Sarah, of women who were either depressed or just stuck or lost, just feeling empty all over the world and not having the tools. And then I had another vision come to me, which was women gathering in sisterhood in small groups all over the globe. I literally saw a globe and like women in New Zealand or women in Australia. And I just could see it. And Women's Global Happiness Day was born. And I said, I'm going to launch one day where women gather in sisterhood all around the world and take a stand that we deserve to be our happiest selves. We are worthy. We are amazing. And we're going to learn the tools. We're going to learn the science and so it happened on Yay. October 18. I mean, I'm like still blown away. On October 18th of 2018, we held the inaugural Women's Global Happiness Day. We had 98 events in 19 countries on six continents. Wow. And so a group of women gathered in Lagos, Nigeria. There were like 25 women who gathered and a woman showed up and her husband had passed away 40 days earlier. And she came to that event It was the first time she had been out of her house. And by the time she left, she said, this has changed my life. I now feel like I can continue on. So Lagos, Nigeria, Portland, Oregon, Toronto, Canada. There was one in New Zealand, in Manila, in the Philippines, Singapore. Blows my mind what happened. And women gathered. And so I trained all the leaders. Anyone out there who wants to be a leader, please email me. Like this is open and created safe space for women to share what was honestly like happening with them. Many women have never had that safe space. And then they learn the tools. They learn tools about knowing what their strengths are, learn tools to be in sisterhood and reflect for each other what was best about them, learn tools to live in their 40%, learn tools to shift their mindset so that they could be thinking the healthy, happy thoughts genuine happy thoughts. Mm -hmm. It was so powerful. So we will definitely be doing it again. My goal for 2019 is that we double it and that we engage organizations that want to be a part of it and that we get some media for it. So I'm excited about it.
0: Oh, that's so cool. I'm so excited for you. And I love this idea. And I talked to so many women who struggled with infertility. And I love the idea around being creative about your vision around mothering and I have my own long infertility journey that I've talked about on the show but I think because I've shared that I tend to attract people who have had a similar struggle and like some people at you know at this point actually have children now and some don't but a woman recently I was listening to her story that she has been trying to get pregnant I want to say for 15 years but she realized recently that She wasn't acknowledging the way that she was mothering in other areas of her life. And she was just feeling this huge hole in the one area that she hadn't been able to mother and how powerful that was for her to recognize that. And I hear so much of that in what you're saying as well and what the shift that you've had in the last year. And I just want to acknowledge that how profound that is, because I think, and when I talk about being a shameless mom, I think there's different ways to be a shameless mom And it's not just in one little bubble of birthing a baby. And so I really want to acknowledge you for what you've done and the level of mothering that comes with that. Mm. I think it's really beautiful.
1: Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I recognize it. And I feel so grateful. Women tell me all the time that I am like their mother and women are here to mother the world, whatever that means.
0: Totally, totally, definitely. So tell us how you work with women, where people can find you, how they can get involved in Women's Global Happiness Day and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. So I work with women individually and in groups to there. I have a group around it's called Empowered, all about being your most empowered self, really discovering what your purpose is and then really learning the tools to go for it. Or I work with people individually. So it could be either I also, if you go to my website, purposegirl.com and I would love for you all to listen to the Purpose Girl podcast. Of course, we've had Sarah on it. So you want to check out that episode. And I recently launched the Happy Woman shop, which I've filled with amazing products to help you remember that you get to choose. Like I designed a necklace that says I choose on it uh, just for you to wear every day. You can touch it and you just remember. Oh, I get to choose my happiness. And each morning you get a little card with the I choose necklace that says, you know, feel it and ask yourself, what do I need today? Mm-hmm. And if it's like peace or joy or feeling alive, then anytime you're not feeling that all day long, you can just touch it and say, Oh, I choose. I choose to feel alive in this moment or I choose joy. And so if you go to my website, purposegirl.com, you can get to the shop there. And there also are, you know, a 10 day happiness habits course, a self love course, all digital to make it really easy to download. So there are a number of different ways to work with me. And I'd love for everybody to, in the show notes, we'll give you a link where you can also get a free women's happiness course. So make sure you go to that.
0: Nice. We'll have that all linked up in the show notes over at shamelessmom.com. Oh, Karen, this has been so worth the wait. I so appreciate you being here. I've loved this conversation. And I think it's such a beautiful mix of like science and life, science and experience and science and like just the messy things that we endure and the power that that gives us. So thank you for being here.
1: Oh, it's been my honor and pleasure. It's been so much fun. Thank you, Sarah. You're amazing at this.
0: (laughs) Thank you.